I live a life of self-critical thinking, self-ethical development, self-empathy, self-humility, self-environmentalism, self-global awareness, self-responsibility, self-altruism, self-peace, self-social justice, self-service, and self-participation. All that means is that I genuinely live a life of self-social entrepreneurship and self-servant leadership. I demonstrate servant leadership to others and I demonstrate social entrepreneurship to others. I live a life of sacrificial love, unconditional love, compassion compassionate love and neighborly love towards others and myself, especially those who don't think like me, don't live like me, don't love like me, don't vote like me, don't dress like me, don't talk like me. continue on with the episode and I am an alchemist and I'm explain more about that this is Charlotte Ilea it says five types of alchemists which one are you we all contain the power to transform energy earth air fire water and in either. These are the five spiritual elements that make up all life. All of life. They are also the ingredients for all practices of spiritual transformation, which we call alchemy. Alchemy is the process of taking heavy, dense energies that come from our human experiences and transforming them into light, expanded frequencies of a spiritual experience. This transformation that occurs through the mixing of our humanity with the light of our eternal souls. In every form of alchemy, all elements are present. However, each type of alchemy uses one element in particular as the catalyst for change. Therefore, there are five different types of alchemy, each highlighting one of the five elements. I have found that most of us naturally lean towards one form of alchemy over the others. And through practice and mastery, we can learn to continually transform our inner density into light with the help of the elements. Check out the five types of alchemy below. Where do you find yourself in this list? So I'm going to make this personal. Um, I am a person of fire alchemy. Fire alchemists like me use the emotions of anger and rage for good and greater good in my case to generate a great amount of heat in our bodies my body that creates transformation this type of alchemy that i do is heavily based is heavily based in the lower three inner three energy centers of the body the root the sacral and the solar Plexus and requires physical movement, dance, and sexual expression to be released. So that fits me. 
I I use physical I use appropriate physical movements, I use appropriate dances, and I use appropriate sexual expression for me to um release the root, the sac on the solar plexus, the lower three energy centers of the body. That's all of what I do. Anyone can practice again, so you won't be confused. Fire alchemists use the emotions of anger and rage to generate a great amount of heat in their bodies that create transformation. This type of alchemy is heavily based in the lower three energy centers of the body, the root, the sacral, and the solar plexus, and requires physical movement, dance, sexual expression to be released. I do all of that. I do all of it correct. I do all of that correctly, and I do all of that appropriately. Anyone can practice fire alchemy as a way to transmute and liberate themselves of heavy, dense, and toxic energies. I do all of that appropriately and correctly also. But people that experience a lot of anger or sexual energy are typically fire alchemists. That would be me because I am recuperating and recovering when it comes to the oppressions of my childhood so I do have a lot of community anger not arrogant anger there's a difference one is healthy the other is unhealthy and I do have a lot of sexual energy that I am properly contextualizing because I grew up in a world where sexual injustice was rampant Lack of sexual equity was rampant, and a lack of sexual inequalities were rampant. Again, I, sexual injustice was rampant. Uh, sexual inequalities were rampant, and, and, a, and a lack of sexual equities were rampant. So what I'm doing is appro- being appropriate with my sexual energy and saying, Sexual justice is rampant in my life. Sexual justice are rampant in my life. Uh, Sexual equity, sexual equities are rampant in my life. And sexual equality, sexual equalities are rampant in my life. Instead of sexual injustice, sexual injustices, and uh, sexual, a lack of sexual equity, and sexual equities, and um, sexual inequality and sexual inequality is being rampant. Those days are over. So, yes, I'm a fire alchemist. I love to dance and I'm physically active. I'm hyperactive. All good when it comes to me. My sexual expression is all good too. So, number two, water alchemy. Water alchemists like me use the emotions of sadness and grief, in my case, all appropriately and correctly, to generate a flow of energy through our hearts and throat centers to be released from our bodies. This type of alchemy usually involves crying, sobbing, and keening as a form of deep heart release to let go of old, stuck pain and grief trapped in the body and to free the heart to be more open and vibrate at a higher frequency. That, that I'm also a water alchemist. I, all these things happen. And I think you can be a water alchemist even if 
You may not physically cry, but you spiritually cry. You may not physically sob, but you're spiritually sobbing. You may not physically keening, but you're spiritually keening. So I think water alchemist is not just physical water. It's that spiritual polluted water being purged. That's how I look at being, I'm a water alchemist. I'm like, my body, I experience the per, the, the, my spiritual the, the spiritual polluted water of my childhood being rinsed out of me, purified out of me, being refined out of me, and being cleansed out of me. So yes, I'm a water alchemist. As a child, I was doing a lot of physical crying, a lot of physical sobbing, a lot of physical keening because my childhood was that traumatic. Um, then it says, anyone can practice water alchemy as a way to open and liberate their hearts, which I do. But people cry often or frequently experience sadness and even depression are typically water alchemists. Do I experience depression frequently? Yes. But it's all good because I, I frequently experience joy and euphoria way much more than the depression and sadness. My soul cries often. But I cry tears of joy of my soul more than I cry tears of depression in my soul. So yes, I'm a water alchemist. Number three, earth alchemy. Earth, uh, earth alchemists like me, we use our physical bodies to transmute and heal the pain of our ancestors in the collective. This type of alchemy is the most challenging as it involves taking on dense energy in the form of physical affliction, some temporary, some permanent or recurring, so that it may be radically transmuted and healed through physical matter. That's definitely me. You know, I have physical wounds that are beautiful scars on my body. That Those were my physical afflictions. And they were temporary. And um, I have a scar on my chest. It's a permanent scar, but it it was properly sewn together. And I don't have any. I have wounds that are recurring of my soul. I don't have any phys- recurring physical wounds, by the way, but I have wounds of my soul that are temporary, permanent, and recurring, those spiritual afflictions, right? So anyone can practice earth alchemy as a way to heal themselves and for the planet, which I do. However, it's not easy. People with autoimmune conditions and chronic ailments or pain are typically earth alchemists. For me, I take earth alchemy a step deeper than that. I think that you can be an earth alchemist and not just have physical scars that are beautiful, but you can have spiritual scars that are beautiful. So I do consider myself an earth alchemist because this is exactly how I think. I have chronic ailments of my soul. I have pain of my soul. I have autoimmune conditions of my soul. That's what childhood trauma does to people. So I'm an earth alchemist. Number four, air alchemy. Air alchemists like me, we use our breath as a way to build, release, and transform energy 
within our bodies in exchange with spirit. This type of alchemy involves different practices of breath work, inhaling and exhaling in specific rhythmic flows for prolonged sessions. I do all of that. It is an intentional form of spiritual alchemy that we can all learn to practice, which I do. Anyone can learn to practice air alchemy with the right guidance, and in doing so, this kind of alchemy can can assist fire, water, and earth alchemists to transform inner lead into gold with greater ease. Some will find they naturally breathe deeply and gravitate towards this practice. All of that is what I do. So I'm an air alchemist. Number five ether alchemy ooh ether alchemists like me we use sound we use sound vibration as a way to release transform and heal the subtle energetic vibrations in the body we use our voices as well as singing bows chimes and musical instruments to create sounds that vibrate at healing frequencies for each of the seven energy centers of the body creating deep relaxation releasing states of bliss i do all of these this type of alchemy also needs to be learned from a mentor in order to be practiced, but some will find they have a natural gift for it, which I do. Fire, water, and earth alchemists will benefit greatly from being on the receiving end of this type of alchemy and it will greatly assist them in their own processes. Wow. That's all me. Anyone can learn to practice spiritual alchemy, which I do, as a form of self-healing because we all contain the five elements within us. Yes, it is time we recognize that we, that we are all alchemists. What type of alchemists are you? Woo! This is refreshing to my soul. I must admit, when I was in college, the co-workers, some of them, the friends, some of them, and the associates, some of them, when it came to the adulterous affairs. Some of the co-workers of the women I was sleeping with were parents. Most were single. Some were monogamously married and a few were non-monogamously in life partnerships. Some of the friends of the women I was sleeping with, some were monogamously married. Some were parents. Most were single. And the rest were non-monogamously in life partnerships. The associates of the women I was sleeping with, some were monogamously married. Some were non-monogamously in life partnerships. uh, Most of them were single and some were parents. And all the associates and friends and the co-workers of the women were all women themselves. 
And I also must admit that some of the associates, some of the friends, some of the co-workers were child-free themselves. And some were also uh, single parents. And some were parents of adult children and little kid children. And some were married and in life partnerships with adult children. And some were married without kids, whether the marriage was monogamous or non-monogamous. Um, so, in college, I had romantic affairs. What does that mean? Affairs may be romantic, which can be referred to as an affair of the heart. Romantic affairs are commonly in the form of sexual liaisons that include some level of romance and emotional attachment. When agreed to by both parties in a relationship, which was the case for me back then in college, the term may also be used to describe a form of non-monogamy, though this is less common, even though that happened to me too. I, I had casual affairs back then. A casual affair is most commonly considered a mainly physical sexual relationship between two people without the expectation of a more formalized romantic relationship. It may also be referred to as a fling. Um, that, that all happened to me. Uh, I had uh, emotional affairs back then. A platonic or non-sexual relationship may also be considered an, an affair. An emotional affair lacks sexual intimacy, but as intense or enduring emotional intimacy, emotional affairs can easily evolve into sexual affairs, which was the case for me back then, and be just as threatening to the primary relationship. Even when this type of affair doesn't cross the line to becoming physical, even though it did back then for me, the impact can be just as detrimental. The intimacy involved in emotional affairs can often be deeper and more intense than the intimacy in a solely sexual affair. Um, so in college, yes, the romantic affairs I had included some levels of romance and emotional attachment, and we did have affairs of the heart. Just to clear everything up, we did have flings, and we did have emotional uh, affairs there were some women where I had platonic and non-sexual relationships. And, and some of them didn't have sexual intimacy, but it did have intense or during emotional intimacy. And the emotional affairs eventually became sexual affairs. And some, it was just as threatening to the primary relationship because they were not available on the dating market because they were married. So very little of my relationships with women back then were platonic or non-sexual emotional affairs. There were sprinkles of it, but most of the emotional affairs eventually included sexual intimacy as well as intense and enduring emotional intimacy as well. So I did have, I did have sexual affairs back then. 
cyber affairs. I had cyber affairs back then. Online or cyber affairs when it occurs online via chat, webcam, email, or text. It may be anonymous or maybe for some it was anonymous and then eventually we figured out who each other was. Nothing deathly catastrophic or violently catastrophic happened, thankfully. Nothing murderously catastrophic happened either, thankfully. It may be anonymous or maybe between people who only know basic information about one another, such as their names, but I've never met. That happened to me back then with some women. Eventually, we met in person, and the sexual affairs kicked off. Or it may occur online with someone the person knows in real life, which was the case for certain women when it came to me too. Quite often, a cyber affair has emotional and slash or sexual undertones. Yeah, that was the case for me. The partners involved in a cyber affair may never meet in person, but the emotional connection often central nature of the affair constrain the committed relationships that one or both the affair participants are in. All the cyber affairs I had, we did meet in person, and they were actually nearby. And the cyber affairs became in-person sexual affairs filled with emotional connection and sensual natures of the affairs did put strain on the relationships that us affair participants were in. More for them than me because they had they were in a committed relationship. And I clearly was not. So it put a strain on all of us. Um, I did have sanction affairs. The term affair might also be used to describe part of an agreement within an open marriage relationship. Some of the women I was sleeping with were in open marriages and open relationships. With a sanction affair, a couple agrees upon which forms of sex or emotional intimacy are permitted with someone other than their primary partner, meaning their husbands, boyfriends, and um, life partners that they're unmarried to. These may include swinging, which was the case for me, dating, which was the case for me, polyamory, which was the case for me, and menage a trois, which was the case for me, and group sex, which was the case for me, too. We, we did all that. An open marriage or a consensual monogamy that works for both parties has to play by the rules that they agreed upon at the start. Otherwise, this type of affair is no longer quote-unquote sanctioned. Um, everything was agreed upon before we sexually sealed the deal, so to speak. Affairs are inherently personal. They complicate committed relationships and bring with them many emotions that are usually seen as bad, good, and in between bad and good, but emotions are emotions are neutral, inherently innocent. It's all about what we do with them. But in this case, the emotions, it felt a great area between bad and good, and it did feel bad and good back then. Some people are involved in an affair even find that it's disappointing and not worth the emotional toll it takes on themselves in a marriage or partnership. Um, you know, that's what, you know, 
that only happened once I left, you know, to come back to D.C. I was in Leesburg, Florida for college, and those, that, that did occur. That's the only reason the affair ended, and it ended peacefully. No bad terms, no ill will, no ill feelings. So that ended up being the case. The disappointment was we weren't able to um, be healed while being together. And I did have extramarital um, affairs. Um, let me explain more about the romantic affairs I had. A romantic affair is called an affair of the heart, may refer to a sexual liaison or more emotional relationship between two people who may have sex without expecting a more formal romantic relationship. An affair is by its nature romantic. That was the case for me. The term affair may also describe part of an agreement which an open marriage or open relationship such as swinging, dating, and poly or polyamory with some forms of sex with one's non-primary partners are permitted and other forms are not. Those are all my experiences. Participants in open relationships, including unmarried couples and polyamorous families, may consider sanctioned affairs the norm, which was the case for some of the women I was involved with sexually. But when a non-sanctioned affair occurs, I was in non-sanctioned affairs with certain women. It is described as infidelity. It may be experienced as adultery or betrayal, both of trust and integrity, even though to most people not be considered illicit. So I was a part of... That life, meaning I engaged in infidelity, even though I was never a cheater, they cheated with me. We committed adultery together, meaning I'm unmarried and they're already married. And it was a betrayal of both trust and integrity. And I dare say we had illicit sex. Um... When romantic affairs lack both overt and covert sexual behavior, yet it, yet it inhibit intense or enduring emotional intimacy, it may also be referred to as an emotional affair, which we had, platonic love, which we had, or in romantic friendship, we had that too. But the romantic affairs that we I had were completely filled with overt and covert sexual behavior. Um... Extramarital affairs or relationships outside of marriage where an illicit romantic or sexual relationship or romantic friendship where passion attachment occurs and all that occurred to me. An affair continued in one form or another for years, which happened between the ages of 18 through 21 when it came to me with them. Even as one of the partners in that affair passed through marriage, divorce, and remarriage, which happened to them. Some... Um... A lot, some got divorced. Some were just married but unhappy, stayed married. Some got remarried but still were involved with me. 
This could be considered the primary relationship with the marriage secondary to it. Several people claim the reason for an extramarital affair is their unsuccessful marriage where both spouses fail to please each other. This may be serial polygamy or other forms of non-monogamy. All that I experienced um, with them. And this is a tough part, but this has to be said. The ability to pursue serial and clandestine extramarital affairs while safeguarding other secrets and conflict of interest inherent in the practice requires skill and deception and duplicitous negotiation. Even the high one affair requires a degree of skill or malicious gaslighting. All these babies are more usually called lying. And um, deception can be defined as the covert manipulation of perception to alter thoughts, feelings, or beliefs. The presence of deception may indicate the degree to which a deceiver has breached fundamental conditions of fidelity, reciprocal vulnerability, and transparency. Sometimes these are explicit or assumed preconditions of a community to relationship. So all these things happen, but all unintentionally. Never intentionally. We were decent people who were unhealed. We didn't know how to go about... Um, Healthy sexual boundaries, healthy material boundaries, healthy physical boundaries, healthy emotional boundaries, healthy intellectual boundaries, healthy academic boundaries, healthy personal boundaries, healthy professional boundaries, healthy psychological boundaries, healthy spiritual boundaries. So all these things were unintentional in terms of Subconsciously, these things happen, but it wasn't con. It, but it wasn't purposeful. I just feel like being diabolically evil for the hell of it. It was never that. Um, and we did have like online affairs. The appearance of community computer media communication introduces a new type of communication. Consequently, a new type of affair. There are various kinds of computer-mediated communication that differ in some significant aspects, one-to-one or group communication formats. Interrelating with anonymous or identified people and communicating in synchronous or asynchronous formats. Online affairs can combine features of close and remote relationships. So we, I did have online affairs. Um... People participating in online affairs may be strangers to each other in the sense that they have never actually met each other. Eventually, we did, though, meaning the women. However, they're also close to each other since they share intimate information, which we did. In online affairs, people try to enjoy the benefits of both close and remote affairs while avoiding their flaws. That's what we did at first, and after a while, we revealed our issues. People enjoyed the highly valued products of close affairs while paying the low cost of remote affairs. That's what happened to me. And I'm not bragging about any of this. Because none of this is right. All this is wrong. And so...
and learning more about what I experienced back in the day.